a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I'm your host, Kristen Lady, and I'm so excited tonight to talk with Sabrina Johnson. Hey, Sabrina, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. It's the holidays. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, like a week before Christmas, and we are in the thick of it. Uh, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Sabrina, why don't you tell the people who you are, what you do? Uh, I... I'm an organizer uh, by trade. Uh, my title is coordinator. We actually changed that in our last contract because union organizers are different than what I do. I um, work with uh, grass tops leaders. So uh, leaders that are usually in elected positions to help them um, really with anything. My uh, job title is extremely broad, but I work with the labor councils in the state, Northeast and North Central Wisconsin. I used to work, work in Central Wisconsin. So um, I know that area quite well. I've uh, been a community organizer for uh, like 20 years. Um, so most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what I do now. I'm not marketable for anything else. I know. Right. There's a certain point where you look at your resume and you're like, <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> right. I, there's no way I can now be a lawyer or something. I, some people have said my uh, uh, resume is a little too political and I'm like, Oh, really? Weird. That's what you get. Well, yeah, weird. I work for uh, Planned Parenthood in New Hampshire and in Wisconsin and uh, a couple of organizations in Oregon and uh, New Hampshire and in Wisconsin, of course. So uh, for a while I was omitting them and I'm, now I'm like, fuck it. I am what I am. Yeah. Like me or you don't. <laughs> Exactly. You know, there's a couple of candidates I've been helping, uh, you know, prepare for elections. Nice. And they're like, I, am I too far left? I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, you just got to be, you know, loud about your values and not ashamed of them. And people will realize, you know, what you're about. So that's what have to I, be genuine. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, yeah, so I work with Sabrina here in the Northeast region of Wisconsin, and it has been very exciting um, collaborating with you, and I'm very pumped to have you on the podcast. Thanks. I am excited you asked me, actually. Uh, before I, and I don't know if I told you this, before I actually met you in person, um, there was word of a comedian who is a union organizer, and I, I looked you up and I'm like, oh my God, how do I make this person my best friend? Uh, and I started listening to Bloody Mary then. I've listened mostly to just the um, movies I've already watched, but I love your podcast. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad we're friends. <laughs> hey, mission accomplished. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, okay. So diving in, what's your relationship to horror movies? Uh, like, how do you feel about horror as a genre overall? I love horror movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't meet a lot of other people that do. Um, so, and I, I assume you're going to ask me what my first movie experience was traumatic. Uh, later on, I started watching movies with my sister. Um, she's a year and 11 months younger than I am. Uh, and Every Friday the 13th, we would talk about watching movies. And obviously, when we left the house, we would still, hey, it's Friday the 13th. What are you going to watch? Um, we haven't done that in a couple of years. But oddly enough, her son, his name is Bo, um, who is a union um, member himself. Uh, he's an apprentice as of this year. Yeah, he was a pre-apprentice for two years. Um, he lived with me, with me for a couple of years in Appleton. And uh, we'll watch horror movies whenever we get together. So 
I think he's coming over on Christmas Day and we'll figure out something to watch. So it's a family thing. We love movies. When I lived in New Hampshire, we also like had movie nights with my roommates because one of them really loved horror too. Nice. I love that you were like the big sister and the steward of horror in the family. <laughs> That's cool. What were some of your favorite Friday the 13th picks? Did you normally, did you, did you just go with the tra- traditional Friday the 13th? Or- we usually did. Cause there's so many. There. Um, yeah. Uh, I pretty much like any movie that doesn't have like, rape scenes or sexual violence yeah. uh, is what I asked for there was a time in uh, New Hampshire when my roommate Bill was super excited about getting movies for Halloween because he also loves Halloween and horror movies I love them both um and he came home the first one he put in there was like a rape scene and we yelled at him like what the fuck Bill uh there's so many movies out there that don't have it yeah yeah exactly why what is the first horror movie you remember seeing it was Poltergeist. <laughs> I was a kid though, like way too young. I remember hiding behind the couch. My um, biological father uh, had us for the weekend and he like was so mad. I didn't want to watch it. And he's like, you will watch this, uh, <laughs> making him like as scary as the movie. Um, so yeah, it was the first Poltergeist. And I just remember that little white girl being so scary. Uh mm-hmm. So I watched them in college. I was like, you will not let this movie scare you. And I'm really surprised he had us watch that movie. It's like on an Indian burial ground. This is my biological father who's like nearly 100% Ho-Chunk. Like, what a stupid movie. I know. (laughs) Whatever. There's burial grounds involved. Like we don't know how to deal with indigenous people. So we're going to just like make them scary. And anytime we, we can't address like actually fucking stealing their land. So let's come up with a horror movie. Bad things happen. And I, I'm, I haven't talked to him about this. I like, don't talk to him, but what a stupid movie to show your three native kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, horror does have a bad history of othering people. Yes. Or the plot device and that, you know, uh, that's never great. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that that was uh, <laughs> experience. <laughs> Funny, I love them now, but there's so many different ones out there. Obviously, appreciate the ones with really strong women oh, in particular. So yeah, afterwards, if you want to give me uh, more suggestions, please do. Yes. And in the summer, I want to do like um, I have a projector so we can watch them in the lawn, which is really yes, cool. that's awesome. I want to see your new place. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, The neighbors have been pretty cool about it, luckily. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, My neighbors are cool, too. That's nice when you have good neighbors. Yeah, they're they're gone a lot of the time, which is great. (laughs) That's what I look for in a neighbor. (laughs) Me, too, especially since I work from home. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Um, So for us to talk about tonight, Sabrina chose The Hunt, and I was so excited you chose this movie just because we're both union organizers. I think we bring a really interesting perspective to the conversation. Um, But as you know, in Bloody Mary, we are full on spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, turn this off right now, um, because The Hunt is a should have been 2019, but was 2020 film about a group of liberal elites that are accused of Mannergate, which is... uh, they essentially rent a manor in Vermont and they hunt humans, poor Trump supporting humans. Uh, and then, you know, this obviously isn't real, 
but it becomes this internet phenomena so much that these liberal elites get fired from their high-ranking positions and then they decide well fuck it you think we did it so let's do it <laughs> chaos ensues um, as they kidnap these people and try to hunt them uh, and I'm just curious, Sabrina, what made you pick this one? I find it intriguing that you mentioned Trump, though, because so when I first heard about this movie, it was when it was canceled. Um, mm-hmm. I heard the I don't know what I was what podcast I was listening to that actually had it must have been news of some sort that it was canceled. Um, it was controversial. And I didn't know why it was controversial, just that like some it, the timing of it wasn't good uh and then I just kind of wrote it off as I actually thought like oh those stupid conservatives wrote a distasteful movie I guess we're gonna live without it (laughs) and then I was listening to um what the fuck Mark Maron's podcast um and Betty Gilpin was on it who I love have you seen glow she's in glow yeah she's really great uh she's lady liberty in glow which is you know kind of the opposite of her role in here um but when she was on talking about this movie, I was like, oh, I should really check it out. I was totally intrigued. Like, why was this canceled then? So it was supposed to hit theaters on September 27th in 2019. If you remember that time, pre-COVID, but Trump was still around. Pre-COVID, we're just running around, going to movies, tasting others, drinks, like crazy things. Hugging, shaking hands. Yeah. so apparently there was two mass shootings on that day and I had to look them up because there's so many damn mass shootings. I couldn't even remember that day. Yeah. So it was the same day. Um, uh, so sorry, it was canceled. Um, it was supposed to hit on the 27th. There's two shootings on August 23rd. Um, one was the 22 people that were killed at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, which I was like, Oh yeah. And then the nine that were killed in Dayton, Ohio. Um, so then they, uh, pushed it off like the word of this movie um, was rumbling so much that they did a, a test viewing with some people to see if like now is a good time to show it. And then they were actually told like, if now isn't a good time to show it, then you probably never should show it, which mm-hmm. sounds logical to me. So then they actually dropped a new um, trailer for it. And then it came out March 13th, which if I recall is like right before we were closed down for COVID. Yeah. Like the week before, I think. So, yeah, I guess it probably didn't get the viewing in theaters that it wanted to. It wasn't supposed to be shown, and here it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it was, I wasn't sure exactly what it was about besides it was being controversial. And even as I watched it, it took a while for me to figure out, like, which side was supposed to represent which side. Like, it wasn't really clear to me at first, which I'm, I'm curious. Well, it sounds like you had the same feeling. If that was the intent, like, we didn't know who was who. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's one of the main themes that really stuck out to me is this idea of a cult is a cult. And no matter what side you're on, it's a bad thing. So like, um, you know, just the idea of like, obviously, the people on the f- for like conservative spectrum of things like, yeah, they, um, you know, there's got to be some sort of um, retribution for just sharing outright lies on the internet, right? Um, Like we've seen the whole culture pretty much deteriorate in this country because anything you want to be true, you can make true now. Thanks, QAnon. Or the environment that set up QAnon, like that didn't, this has all been percolating for years. And 
some people are surprised by and others are like, yeah, this has been the recipe for disaster. Like you have racism, you have people with all this hate and oh, do you remember when there wasn't an internet? I remember when there wasn't an internet, I like learned how to type on a legit keyboard and keyboard uh-huh. typing class. Uh, and we have this beautiful internet where we can get any answer we want pretty much at a keystroke, no more arguing about who is in what or oh, man. events that happened. And remember when elderly people were just cute and you were like, oh, I don't know their deepest, darkest opinions. This is so nice. I don't know. I've been afraid to knock on elderly people's doors for years, though. <laughs> you know, I find a lot of the time, like I remember when I was working the recall election for Scott Walker, uh, I knocked on this woman's door and she chatted with me for 45 minutes just about her, her family and Mm -hmm. nothing related to Scott Walker or anything. And then I was finally like, you know, I was like naive and, you know, earlier in my organizing career. And, uh, you know, so I finally like called the question, like, Oh, are you going to vote for the recall? And she was like, Oh no, I'm not going (laughs) to vote. Like you're killing me. You're killing me, Margaret. I gotta go. I have totally been there and I still fall for it. Like I was knocking doors in Wausau, I want to say five years ago. Um, And there was this nice woman. And I told um, the union guy that was driving me around, don't ever go in anyone's houses because they freaking just, you know, a lot of uh, white guys will end up going into people's houses. And then I don't know what's happened to them. And one told me a horror story of like sitting across from somebody who pulled out a gun, put it on the table and started talking about gun rights. And I was like, do not go in people's houses. Stay on that porch, baby. (laughs) But then here I went in the house um, and the guy was like, I can't believe you went into the house, but it was this nice older woman. And she offered cookies. This sounds like a horror in itself. Um, (laughs) And I talked to her. She could tell she was lonely. And I've gotten to the point where I try to hurry things along to get to the point because I don't want to waste my time. But I was probably in there for 20 minutes and she wasn't going to vote because she didn't have transportation. So on the day of election, I um, said, I'm going to call or whatever her name was um, and see if she needs a ride. And I called her and she's like, no, I'm not going to vote. And I'm like, oh, I'm come over there and I'm going to drink your little booty ass. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> But uh, yeah, other than that nice woman who did not do anything to, except give me cookies and and tell me about her life, um, there's just a lot of uh, older folks' homes that will come out threatening, especially if it's an older man or a lot of NRA stickers on the door that I don't notice until afterwards. And I'm like, oh, should I, I have knocked? One story I love is like, I knocked on this older man's door and he was just like really freaked out that I knew his name and I was <laughs> like, well, you voted and uh, your name's on this list. And then the phrase like name on a list, just like enraged him, what list? like chasing me out of the yard for, the- oh no, like it's just a democratic voting list. <laughs> People, when you vote, you get on a voting list. Yes. And the only reason Republicans don't come knock on your door is because they have money. Well, they do now. They're like, oh, do they really? Yeah. Well, you can tell when a 
sounds so partisan right away. So we try to operate with volunteers or in the labor work, it's um, the release from work to go knock on doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, Planned Parenthood or any of the other organizations I work for were volunteers. You can tell when a volunteer is committed and knocks on a door, like they care about the issues, they're going to talk to you about the issues. If you get knocked on the door by anyone supporting a Republican, they're usually, if not always paid to knock on doors. And I am not a fan of paid canvassers because they're doing it as a job. You're not doing it because, you know, they're committed to the candidate or the issues. So they always kind of half-ass it. And I'm like, oh, come on, give it your all. You're at my door. Give me the pitch. Yeah. (laughs) I don't get knocked anymore. I'm sure I'm on lists where they don't bother with me. But when I was knocking, because in Wausau, um, we do have like a good labor. Let me clarify. The people that we have in labor are really good. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. isn't a huge number of them. And a lot, there are a lot of conservative doors that we, you know, still knock because we knock on all labor doors for the most part in Wausau because we want to keep it walkable. Uh, But yeah, we do get a lot of conservative areas and uh, we do meet the candidates you're not supposed to talk to them or anything, but you can tell with the lit that they're carrying. So yeah, they're, they get paid canvassers and for the Republicans in Wausau. Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're getting smarter and smarter. Mm-hmm. I know. That's what I've noticed with a lot of the fringe parent groups. Like, oh man, they're using yes. all our good organizing tactics. <laughs> I think that too, like we want, like you want the tools to be out there for people to use, but. But only Right. I'm like, I want everyone to be able to have the tools. Don't do I like, I've really thought about what it means to organize in this new culture. Cause people are, are newer. Again, the stuff has all just been boiling. Uh, but when I see them good at what they're doing, I'm just like, yay, organizing. Oh, they're using it for evil though. I don't think you yeah. should organize for evil. When they use the personal narrative for evil, evil, that just like rips my heart out. Like, <laughs> sharing their stories yeah uh, you know, in yeah the economy organize people and organize money I'm like that's that's ours we have <laughs> you have corporation money use a billboard somewhere yeah, go get that corporate money they all love you um mm-hmm. oh so um to bring it back to the theme I was talking about like I also feel like the liberals you know they're kind of their own cult in a certain way like they have these uh, you know, different standards that they're trying to hold themselves to during the meeting. Like my favorite was when they were deciding who were they were going to hunt. Mm-hmm. And they, I think, did a very uh, obvious homage to Sheriff Clark. I wrote that down too. Yes. Yeah. And then they were like, well, it's problematic if we don't have a person of color. And it's just like, you're going to murder them. Like, <laughs> Well, a piece that was cut from this movie, and but I've seen it somewhere is um, the guy who decides to go undercover um, on the train that they encounter. In one of the clips I saw somewhere, he actually says he doesn't identify as white. And I was like, oh, first, who made the decision to write that in the show? Mm-hmm. And then who decided to take it out? Like, what was it, political pressure? Or was someone like, oh, that's probably not a good idea right now. Because the, there are so few people of color in this movie at all. And they have like one of the few besides the soldiers in Croatia um one of the few like main players being a person of color saying they identified as white so I don't know when they decided that but I was like no uh that character was 
interesting though because he was definitely like and i'm from connecticut so i think that's what they change it to instead of and identify as white to and i live in connecticut which is very very white except for hartford (laughs) which is like considered the divider line of race i'll have to check that out i didn't see that scene Um, i cannot i've um i'm a super nerd when it comes to movies that i like like i had watched um i usually watch the how were these scenes made? Why was this movie made normally? Um, so I don't know where I saw it. Mm, if I, I come across it again, I'll share it. I absolutely love that scene where Gary is just like going off about crisis actors and crisis. <laughs> yes! And then, you know, the Croatian soldiers go away and the guy looks at him and says, I don't think they believe you, Gary. <laughs> I like laughed out loud at that. I know this movie is so good at like messing with you. Uh-huh. Where you have to second guess everything. Yeah, I uh, wrote that down as one of my favorite parts as well. Because first Gary's going off and he's saying like every hateful thing that like I encounter a lot in this job as opposed to my previous jobs where people just go off and you're like, oh my God, how long do I let them talk? And you can tell she's still snowball this time. She's not Crystal yet. Um, Crystal's just watching like shut the fuck up. It actually is listed as shut the fuck up. Gary is his name is in IMDb. <laughs> Like, shut the fuck up, Gary. Um, yeah, and then when uh, the guy turns to him and <laughs> speaks perfect English, like, and then he tells him to chill out. Like, he actually mm-hmm. says the word chill out, and that's when Gary freaks the fuck out and puts a grenade in his pants. Yeah. But <laughs> that scene really captures white supremacy, like, or not supremacy so much as white privilege, I guess. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, everyone's lined up, guns with soldiers in their yes. face. And Gary's like, excuse me. <laughs> like just- We're American. <laughs> they don't care, Gary. You're not in America. Yeah. That's yeah. Shut the fuck up, Gary. Come <laughs> uh, well, and uh, he talks about immigrants and refugees and how, geez, I need to reconsider my whole views on this, like it, sarcastically. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you are on a train you are going to be seeking refuge for wherever you are. Cause at that point um, they don't really know where they're at. Like Uh you are in the position of people seeking safety from other Americans killing you. Like you are a refugee in the situation, like Uh complaining about it. I was like, this is, this is just rich. I love it. (laughs) So rich. And it's like, he clings so desperately to his side of the narrative of like, you're not teaching me a lesson. I don't care. It's like, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That looked like a brutal death as well. When they reveal Gary in the trunk of the car. Where he's been stabbed in the head. Yeah. Oof. I was, I was curious who did it. Right. We don't know. Cause it seems like that, um, the guy from the embassy was probably paid off, not like one of the original elites that were in the plan, um, especially since the trunk money said something like bribe money. By the way, if you have bribe money, don't label it bribe money. <laughs> Just a suggestion. And then put it with a map of where to find the other people. Stupid elites. Stupid cucks. <laughs> yes, I actually had to look up cuck. <laughs> I was like oh this is funny whoever wrote this is hilarious yeah and also like some of it is like did you mean to be ambiguous I'm guessing they meant to be ambiguous on some of the things where I'm like this is 
this is pretty funny, but <laughs> are you intentionally being funny or you, I don't know. It's the, I've watched this so many times in the last couple of weeks. Um, which is funny, by the way, I thought I was going to do 28 days later and my nephew and I watched that. <laughs> then I switched mm-hmm. again and he was like, you switched again. I'm like, we well, didn't watch it for the hell of it. 28 days later is great. Mm-hmm. So it was a quiet place. Like I, he was watching some of these movies with me. Oh, nice. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I've watched this many times and every time I'm like catching something new that I didn't catch the first time. Mm. Well, here's another question I have for you. Is Don good or bad? So this is one of the things I, I rewatched on because I'm like, like good or bad isn't the right question. Which side do you think Don is on? So I thought that the first couple times I watched it and then I actually like, so when they're, this is, it's going to sound super nerdy in the beginning when they're doing the text back and forth, which sparks this whole manor gate uh, and why Athena gets fired and all the others have to step down. Um, they mention murdering 12 deplorables so they mentioned 12 and then um or a dozen they actually said a dozen in the text and then later on then when they're narrowing it down and they're all in the room uh figuring out who to pick to hunt uh they're told that they have to stick to the 12 because uh for safety reasons because then they joke about that like we're actually killing people and we care about safety reasons um but there were 11 that were killed in the show and then the one on the plane Mm -hmm. um, squealer. So there were a dozen, including Don. So I think he actually was with the others that were being hunted. He was just such an asshole that when he died, you're like, Mm -hmm. I thought that as well, because there were scenes where like crystal was doing all the work and he Mm -hmm. mysteriously absent and you know, he just mysteriously appeared and disappeared a lot. That yes. was suspicious, but I didn't. I think it was suspicious too. Like, that's why I was like, he wasn't there for. I mean, he was complaining the whole time, so she kicked the. Um, this is going to be confusing to those people watching. So at the part where they're after the, um, they're on the train, and Gary uh, blows up the guy <laughs> with a grenade. They're suddenly in um, a refugee camp, and they're talking to officials. Um, and then they get picked up by um, an ambassador. Am I remembering his name correctly? Um, and as she's in the car and her instincts are just right on, like everything uh-huh. she does, I'm like, fuck yeah. Uh, but she slowly leans back, which is hilarious because she grabs the old shit bar and you're like, what yes. is she doing? <laughs> and then she leans back and she's getting all her leverage to kick him. So she kicks him. Um, and then in the end takes control of the car and runs him over. It's like a juicy head yeah. shot. Like I'm like, oh, uh, and then after, so, you know, down the whole time and is screaming, stop the car, stop the car. Like he sounds like a whiny person in the back, like stop the car. And so she stops it after she runs over the guy and she's, you know, opens up the trunk and exposes Gary's in the trunk. And Don's like, oh, and suddenly like, oh, so you were right. How dare I keep questioning? She keeps questioning her over and over and she's always right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she pulls the gun out of Gary's head and she finds the map and the bribe money. And he's like, give me the keys. She says no. And I'm like, what? you did absolutely nothing except scream in that scenario. You yeah. are such a pain in the ass. And then I was like, oh, typical guy. You do all <laughs> the freaking work. You go into a meeting and suddenly your ideas and work are coming out of his mouth. And you're like, what the hell? You know, I oh, that. 
I I have been there. Um, uh-huh. My my first organizing position, I would literally sit in meetings in Chicago and say something, and it was like no one heard it. And then a man would say it, and everyone would be like, "That's the smartest thing I've ever heard." And I was like, "I just I just said that." <laughs> But you know, there's another instance of that in the film too. The very beginning, when Emma Roberts finds the keys for their necklace, mm-hmm. and then the guy takes the keys and starts screaming, "Hey guys, I found keys!" And it's like, it was just real subtle. But I was like, "You didn't, you didn't find the keys. Emma Roberts found the keys." <laughs> also, was it not brilliant to have Emma Roberts in it? That was so funny because, like, this movie it was so like because I love American Horror Story, so I was like, "Oh, I love mm-hmm. her!" And then, like, she was dead like uh, three minutes or something. Yes, I was like, "What?" It was so like Drew Barrymore in Scream, yeah. but when uh, they kill, they call him Squealer, which is another um, Animal Farm reference. Oh. The guy in the plane they call Squealer, and then they ditch him next to the body of Emma and I was like is she in here awesome like you know I again I didn't know what I was expecting except that he was going to be in it and then they show her waking up and I'm all excited like oh this is going to be good and then they kill her in such a brutal way that I was just like there's just like (gasps) I think I'm like gasp and then I just started laughing my ass off because I was not expecting that. And it was such a funny way to go because she's like that almost shot me and then it actually shot her and it was the the scene was so gruesome. It got all over the guy who they call Trucker, who's from This Is Us, uh, gets covered in it. And you're like, well, I guess the potential for romance is done yeah, between those two. <laughs> Actually, I was like, oh, no, is there going to be a romance in this? I don't like those movies. And then, oh, yes, not. Yeah. No, they cut that right in the bud. That was great. I appreciated that. Yeah. So who do you think the Jackrabbit is? I actually wrote for my follow-up questions a very similar so to ask Don's question who is the rabbit (laughs) (laughs) and I don't like I don't think that Crystal would like to think of herself as the jackrabbit because she's the underdog and she seems to represent and think of herself as the underdog Mm -hmm. but in the end you know she's the one that that lives and she puts on the fancy clothes and brings that 250k bottle of wine to the airplane oh, like yeah I think she's supposed to represent the rabbit but I don't know if she would identify as that oh I like that I like that it's more triumphant than what I was thinking oh what were you thinking I was kind of thinking of just the concept of power as the rabbit like mm-hmm. she is obviously like a poor southerner so she will always be trounced by the jackrabbit um this is kind of where I went with it, but I like it better that she's the rabbit, not the turtle. Or maybe it's the realization that she is now the jackrabbit after being so trounced for so long. Well, she, I mean, she fulfills that story because she kills Athena and then she, like, you know how the box turtle's family was killed and then the jackrabbit eats the meal. Like she ate the grilled cheese that Athena was going on and on about. I was like, oh my God, kill this woman <laughs> talking all smart ass about a freaking grilled cheese. Yeah. Uh, so she ate it. It was magically not burnt. I was like, did Athena turn the oven off before she went to kick ass? Like, how did that not get burnt? But yeah, it was, I, I don't know. I thought it was, and this, it was this very last time that I actually thought that I was like, oh my gosh, she is eating the meal after You're killing right. yeah. the person who normally wins. 
Interesting. Or I shouldn't say normally wins. The turtle doesn't normally win. Uh, the thing I wrote down about that story, um, which he tells to Don when he's freaking asking for the keys, winker, um, is the story I always heard was, and I can't remember it verbatim. I wouldn't bore you with it anyway if I could, but like it was an optimistic story of how the turtle and the rabbit are in a race and the turtle tries real hard. And it's about like still continuing to try hard and you can win. The story yeah. wasn't like try hard you'll win but in the end the jackrabbit will kill you and your family and eat your meal i was like damn that's dark um i was curious what sort of jackrabbit turtle story you heard when you were growing up if any you know i always heard the the very same you did the very okay that turtle pulled himself up by his bootstraps and it was great keep trying and working harder the thing i wondered after the last when she's puts on the, she actually has time to put on makeup too. She had like a, a big wound. I don't know how she did this, but anyway, she pulls herself together. She looks gorgeous. She should be at the hospital, but instead she grabs the really expensive wine and the dog that we don't see at all, except for when she's leaving. Who is this dog? Where did he go? Mm-hmm. Anyway, she gets on the plane and I'm like, <sighs> she's supposed to represent snowball, but in the end snowball is kicked out of the farm. Mm-hmm. Like, so who is she now? And then that's when I was like, oh, she's the jackrabbit. So here's the question I have about, okay. Also, I just want to say like the whole animal farm conversation with Athena is very representative of like, uh, you know, Northerners assuming Southerners are mm-hmm. stupid because like, she's just, wow, shocked. You too have read a 95 page book. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not that remarkable, mm. which I, um, you know, as a northerner, I have like overcome my own um, biased kind of I think we're socialized to be biased, you know, oh, for sure. You hear that accent and you think of something a certain way. And it wasn't until I was like, man, probably late 20s, early 30s. when I discovered Miles Horton and um, the Highlander Folk Center and all the planning in the Appalachians that have gone, you know, towards racial equality and worker equality. And that kind of like, I don't know. I think we're socialized to believe that, um, you know, the Southerners aren't capable of agency in their own, like, quest for social justice. I don't know. Yeah. The very, like, whitewashed, dumbed-down version of history we get of the world. Even if it's not South versus North, like, even in our work, uh, with the different sectors seeing each other differently, um, or... Like I came into this job with a master's degree and two bachelor's degrees. And I feel like I'm always downplaying my education. So people don't assume like us, I'm a snooty bitch, know-it-all, like they can't relate to anybody, especially when I first started, like uh, the views people had of me, I was always downplaying like my background. They didn't know that I'd been organizing for as many years as I had or my education uh, just so I could like, I can relate to you. I come from a worker's family. I come from a union family. But mm-hmm. um, the assumption is if you have a higher degree, like you're going to be snooty and judge the typical blue collar working class. And I get that to a degree because sometimes I do catch myself being like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh, where are you coming from? Are you coming from a place of like class equal, like higher education equals like a knowledge that nobody can get unless they've have a really expensive 
that I'm like so freaking poor because they're so expensive, <laughs> like college degrees. Um, so I'm always catching myself and it's been working in this position for the last seven plus years that I'm like, all right, step back. Like, where are you coming at this from? Um, and just trying to go into spaces with some humility because the way that I talk is not often perceived as like someone who's going to relate to us. And I'm not using big words at all. And I swear like a sailor as well, but still like when people know. So I feel like classism speaks more in this uh, movie than Democrat versus Republican does to me. Yes. Yes. I would definitely agree with that. And it's interesting. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> your, your personal reflection. I often feel the opposite because I do <gasps> academia, you know, yes. Especially like when I worked at the University of Illinois, Chicago, then it was always like, what, what degree do you have? What, what, it's like, oh, just a regular old degree, you know, (laughs) I can still do the work. Yeah. Especially with our work. Cause I feel like, you know, of course I don't want to minimize education, but there is the on the ground experience, you know? Oh, for sure. I think it's a good, um, you know, a marriage between those two things, but yeah, definitely like, uh, what like doing home calls to workers houses where like you know 12 people lived in uh, a two-bedroom house you know there is like your own privilege and class Mm -hmm. perspective that you you have to take into account to be thoughtful in the work definitely uh I mean I come my family was very low income when I was growing up. And then my mom, um, we actually got our bachelor's the same years, but so we were both the, both the first in our family to get uh, college degrees. Um, I went to, well, first I started at St. Norbert, which was, uh, extremely sm- like in the beginning, it seemed very large. And just after, I think I was only there for two years, two and a half years. Um, it came very, very small. And then I went to UW Stevens point where I got a uh, bachelor and then, left and actually thought I wanted to get my teacher's degree. So I went back and then I just got a different um, bachelor's. The, the two of them do, are not better than one bachelor's. Um, so she went to like tech college of, I should remember this, uh, whatever tech college is in, I think Green Bay, North of Green Bay, North. Yes. Thank you. I think that's where she got her degree um, in um, computer science. So like her job like her bracket went up significantly after her bachelor's um, and we were no longer like, you know, qualified for all these government programs that we used to be qualified for. Uh, But yeah, so I've come from knowing what it's like to be on welfare and even being on food stamps myself a couple of times too. I own my own house now. I don't, don't have any children, thank God. So I don't have these expenses. Um, So I spend like an absurd amount of money on shoes and books and like, silly things. Uh, and I know like there's a certain way I won't dress at certain meetings because I don't want people to immediately look at me and be like, Oh, there's a snooty woman. Like, you know, I try to downplay what I'm going to wear. Um, and it was funny when I first started, the guy who trained me told me to swear more. And I was like, I used to work with kids. Like I cut out, it was so hard to cut out swearing because I was a bartender at night and I was a naturalist that day teaching kids environmental lessons. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And now I'm back to swearing all the time. But like, I found, I found it interesting. He also told me not to wear blazers anymore um, really? in this job. Yeah. I look too uppity. Uh, so 
It's so <laughs> funny, like how this like sense of machismo permeates organized mm-hmm. labor. And, um, you know, I oh, said, sure. whenever I walk into a labor hall, it's like, oh, you're a woman, you know, you <laughs> feel it like, uh. here comes the vaginas. Yeah. What are we going to hear now? <laughs> yeah, that was my experience when I first and actually the first meeting I went to in the building trades, I left and I almost cried. I called Phil Neuenfeld, who's no longer with us, but I called him and I was like, they didn't like me, which I'm not normally like I'm not super emotional so it was surprising I think to him and me and he's like well tell me who the players were and then he explained like the social dynamics of well this union is arguing with this union because they're both at the same workplace and they're negotiating get different contracts and this one is no longer part of our organization um so they're going to want to like show some sort of aggressiveness towards you and he explained like things that I hadn't considered and then as soon as I take myself out of the equation I'm like oh so they would be weird with or without me (laughs) and then I put myself back in the equation and I'm like and I'm a woman um some know I'm biracial some don't I I walk with uh much more privilege than other people of color um so put that back in. And the fact that the person who introduced me said, all right, man, we've got a sister in the house. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, Why yeah. did you have to announce me that way? Yeah. Um, so no, like, you know, I don't need anybody to announce me when I come into a meeting. Like now they know who I am and I feel comfortable in the space. But yeah, definitely like was trying to fit myself into this space to be more relatable in a way that I'd never had to do before. Mm. Yeah. I, my first organizing job, I just remember being so disheartened that like shocker, you know, racism and sexism that we marinate in as a society also exists within all our organizations. I was like, no, (laughs) isn't there a utopia somewhere? Like, oh, you silly, silly Kristen. No, I think that that's worth mentioning. And if anyone is interested in organizing listens to this, like that's something I wasn't taught, you know, at my grad school degree is in um, advocacy and organizing. So it was on organizing skills and social movements and the history of social movements. And we discussed uh, racism and making sure like any bill, uh, I was going to say building any um, boards that you build, like include marginalized people. Cause otherwise you're not actually going to get the work done. And then, you know, I'm dropped which was practice in a couple of my organizations. Like we actually took time to, how are, are we moving forward people of color? How are we moving immigrants in Manchester, New Hampshire? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm joined here and we don't talk, sorry, we didn't talk about race necessarily. Now I feel like, because I'm like, um, excuse me. Uh, we talk more about race and sexism in the workplace than when I first started, I feel like I didn't have any allies. And now I have a, a team that I feel like more comfortable with, and we're really small um, than I've been in the past where I can like call them up and be like, oh my God, I just experienced this bullshit. And I work with uh, three other white dudes that can at least be like, oh, what? And one of them is like, I don't think it's because you're a woman. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Have you experienced this? So yeah, it's you go into this work thinking it's good. All these people are going to share these ideals and want to make the world a better place for everybody. And no, in labor, it's a lot of I want to make this world a a better place for workers, and then getting them to expand. Of in your view of workers, who do you see? Yeah, who are (laughs) those workers? (laughs) Tell me what they look like. Uh 
they don't all look like you. Surprise. Yeah, now let's work on that. Because here's the thing. Everyone's a worker. <laughs> they don't identify as such sometimes. No. And, and that's why I love this movie so much is that like it really. Okay. I don't know about you, but personally, I really do not do not like it when people identify me as a liberal. Like I find I am a leftist. I always mm-hmm. like say in my head, I'm like liberals go out for brunch, leftists go out on strike. And like that's <laughs> like. You know, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of like neoliberal politics refuse to take class into consideration. So they mm-hmm. still operate off all these really bad, flawed ideas. And like, you know, like the tokenism of picking Sheriff Clark, <laughs> um, which was funny because when I moved back to Green Bay and I tried to get on dating apps, everyone, all these guys would match with me and be like, oh, you're cute, but you're a dumb liberal. And I'd be like, I am not <gasps> liberal. I am a leftist. <laughs> rude rude very rude and uh one thing that jumped out at me i don't know if you saw the movie um irresistible no okay it's about an election in wisconsin and like they made this movie and it's essentially like we're all just these dumb hicks who couldn't organize ourselves out of a paper bag until someone from new york city shows up and like Ew. I, I couldn't even watch like past the 10 minutes. Of- yeah, I was like, okay, so let me cross this off. <laughs> I was like, we've done amazing things in Wisconsin. We got rid of uh-huh. we got Evers, we got Jill Underly. We're we're we got Tammy Baldwin. We're working on replacing Ron Johnson, but you know, we don't need we don't need John Stewart to help us. Like <laughs> well, and people do not like it when outsiders come into Wisconsin. Exactly. Yeah, as soon as they send somebody from out of state, like they're that person immediately has a barrier. And I feel bad because these people are often not paid well um, to go into our state and then have people immediately shut down as soon as they talk with an accent that is not Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, irresistible. No, don't send out of staters here to tell us how to do shit. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, to bring it back to the animal farm question, here's my question. So, like, they are plotting this out and they decide that crystal is snowball but like they don't know how all these characters are going to intermingle with each other so why did they think that crystal would be the embodiment of snowball but that didn't make sense to me i didn't know either in the picture they were looking at she was flipping them off too i was like how did you immediately decide the they also decided um, Big Red, she was that um, woman with the red mullet. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was in the Ma and Pa store, that she was Molly. And I was like, they didn't know. So oddly enough, Molly dies. She's eating a powdered sugar donut. And Ma asks, will there be sugar in the revolution? Mm-hmm. And then, which was like the first time that I was like, oh, something's not right like, in that mom and pa's. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. And then Big Red falls down and she um, starts foaming at the mouth from that powder donut. And um, afterwards, when Athena calls on the radio to ask how things are going, Ma's like, we killed. And I forget, I forget the three she says, but one was Molly. And I was like, oh my God, they didn't know Molly was going to die eating sugar donuts how did they know that she was molly or big red was going around 
she like to put those sunglasses on you could tell she sneakily did it like I'm not gonna pay for these and then yeah. she opens up donuts and she's eating with her talking with her mouthful which I can't like judge because I tend to do way too often but it's just that's a funny one of the funny things where I was like oh my god did they go back and then be like and she's gonna be Molly who is the horse that um, loves pretty ribbons in her hair and she's actually talked out of the animal farm during the I'm using air quotes here revolution um, because she didn't want to give up her ribbons and her sugar cube she was the one who asked Snowball will there be sugar after the revolution and Snowball was like no oh how did they know yeah like they were just judging I mean at some point after they'd picked who they the dozen that they were going to pick they had to do some sort of intel because they picked up these hunted like from where they were hanging out uh, or working because um, Crystal still had her work uh, rental car unit shirt on. Yeah. Uh, so they had to do some intel. But when they're picking them out, I was like, you don't know how these people are going to turn out in the end. This is just yeah. your so- bias. Yeah. Yes. That was a long way of saying, I don't know, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> what this podcast is all about <laughs> long-winded answers <laughs> I do love like when they're first like woken up and put out in the wild you know and like there are some people like Crystal who just have good instinct and like you know she's making a compass out of her hair and her name tag and like I would have just been running around like a big dumb golden retriever like I think something's wrong like <laughs> Except you would have a gag in your mouth, so you'd be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. "Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah." I would have been shot in the head like instantly. Well, Emma, who is called Yoga Pants, like she is that. Help! Help! And I'm like, freaking, <laughs> get up, go look for things. Like, why are you the whiny person? <laughs> yeah, Sabrina, where do you think you would be? Uh, get once oh, you woke up on that space. I don't know. I always like to think that my instincts will be as good as Crystal's, but hers were like top notch. There's no way I would meet that level. But also, I don't think I'd be like, I'm going to wait around until somebody helps me. Does someone have a phone? Can we call an Uber? Right. (laughs) Well, even when Yoga Pants or Emma grabbed, like she was the one who found the key in the lid. She -hmm. immediately gave it to the guy named Trucker. Mm hmm. And like he undid it right away. And I was like, no words were passed. It was just a look like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Uh -uh. and I'm like, use your words. I know you have a gag on, but like, it was just so her, I'm pretty sure she always plays characters that are meant to be icky. um, Cause she, she has a pretty good range too. She's not always this obnoxious. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was like, honey, you're cute and all, but like use your skills. And get shit done. So I was immediately yeah. annoyed with her character where Crystal was like, I'm going to find due north with my hair. And then like, <laughs> she totally ignored Emma's character as she was asking for help. And I was like, oh. she's, I would follow that woman too. Like if I had no idea what was going on, follow the person who looks like she knows what she's doing. Me too. Confidence. That's what I Which is what Gary does that. Like he follows her after he smashes the drone and she's like you shouldn't have done that and then he follows her as she's looking for tracks and then Don does that too Mm -hmm. so like they know that she has the skills obviously nobody's acknowledging these skills yeah she's just doing a great job yeah feels familiar (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, then maybe we both would be crystal. Maybe. I don't know if I. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, are there any other themes that jumped out at you in the movie? I was really curious that they didn't show um, Hillary Swank's face until the end. Right? That was such an exciting reveal. Because isn't she, she's more like rom-coms, right? Like, isn't she kind of America's sweetheart in that way? Oh, I don't know. I always still think of her as a badass from Boys Don't Cry. And um, Million Dollar Baby. Like, I think of her as a badass. What do you think the reveal signifies or was supposed to signify to us? No, because even in the previews for that, in um, the previews that they didn't show, you know, before they it was canceled, they showed her face like in the previews before they were showed her in the movie. So it was like intentional to have shots where they're not on her face until the end. And I don't know why. Like, yeah. And her voice is so distinct. Like, you knew that was Hillary. At least I knew that was Hillary Swain's voice that was, like, doing all the moves and calling all the shots. I am frequently embarrassed by the fact that I do a podcast about movies and I, like, do not know anything about actors and actresses. Like, oh, me too. Yeah, I knew it was her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I fully admit that I watch way too many movies. (laughs) Like. An absurd amount of movies and I watch them over and over. I have a friend that admitted she does not watch a movie twice ever and she blew my mind. Wow that is surprising. I mean you got your favorites, your comfort movies. Mm-hmm. Back to That's hmm, that's surprising. I, I was like are you telling the truth that I could tell and she thought I was insane because I was like I watch movies over all the time like by the season I watch movies over and over and over and over. Or, you know, where you are with your relationships in life, you know, breakup movies is what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, I was like, I don't know. I haven't been in a relationship in forever. (laughs) What do you watch? Fidelity was my breakup movie for the longest time until I realized like, oh, that's not a good main character to be. (laughs) No, that's interesting. (laughs) Well, then it's nice to watch movies when you're like, I was this person at this time and now like. I'm this person and I can't believe I enjoyed that. <laughs> yes. Uh, is Crystal operating on this hum of rage because she's bored at her job after being in the military or does she represent all board workers at blue collar jobs? Ooh. Are we all on the verge of rage? That's a great question. Cause on one hand it could be very symbolic of the lack of mental health and actually just physical health providers that we give to veterans. But it is also that idea of like, phew, I worked at Subway for like 40 hours a week and yeah, I get it. <laughs> right. And when she talks about why she's doing this, it's when she's with the um, consultant who I think is hilarious. He was only in the National Guard and he was a consultant for like. But he was on a movie, Sabrina. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so you got big money, although he was doing this particular project because he owed Athena a favor. Mm-hmm. which we don't know what the favor is for, but he loses his life over this favor. So I hope it was a really good one. Hollywood connection to the liberal elites, you know? Yeah. She was ruthless about just getting rid of everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> where I was like, I don't know. I would have kept that person. But when he asked her like, why do you want to go after Athena? And she just hums like, because I'm like, mm. and she doesn't say a word, but I'm like, Oh, I know that feeling. I've had that hum. <laughs> <laughs> That hum is in me too. <laughs> I wasn't in the military. Yeah. 
I'm curious now, like, doesn't it feel amazing to see all these people like wanting to form unions and like the fight for 15 is a huge thing now compared to where we were like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I love that you turn this into optimism where I'm just like, rage. Uh, yeah. And now is like the prime time for organizing and fuck. Yeah. Now is the time like strike while the iron's hot. Like there, even in the work that I do with like, I scheduled a meeting with two reps. Oh yeah. Dave came instead of you um, in Appleton. And then I did it in Green Bay and somebody asked for me to do it again. And I was like, oh, they actually want to like have conversations with the people that we work to get elected, like, because they feel like they being the union workers, they can actually get some things done that they didn't think was possible before. Uh, And have you seen like the number of bookstores and coffee shops that have recently organized? So outstanding. Like my first six years of my career was organizing new units, um, new I shouldn't speak in such jargon. It was organizing unions <laughs> at places that didn't have one. And now I, I work with, um, you know, work sites that are all represented mm-hmm. more of like a director role, but it is making me itch to like get back out there. Cause it just, oh. no ripe right now. Right. Oh my God. Well, and I think that all of the local or all the internationals in the state, such weird terminology. So each of the, um, like ask me operating engineers uh smart that um they have nationals and in the wisconsin we have the locals that work in wisconsin that i work with again all of their um tops all of their elected officials that um are involved with the labor council or i've encountered them through other means uh i work with them and there was a point in time where after act 10 unions were really hit hard and I don't have to tell you that you work in education. Um, So those unions lost money, lost, well, membership, which equals money. Um, And then after right to work, the other unions saw it and have been feeling it afterwards. So Mm -hmm. as soon as there are cuts to unions, I don't know if it's at the national level or at the state level, but often decisions are made where they need to decide to cut staff. And a lot of times the staff they cut are organizing staff. And that makes me so sad because you can't. Yeah, it's like so it's the I don't know, the heart of it all. Like you need to continue recruiting members. You need to make sure that your members have that you have recruited, have somebody to talk to. So they're not left out there hanging. Uh, So there have been a number that have cut out their union organizer positions altogether. And now we're in a place where like some people have been reaching out to me like we need to organize this place or that place and I'll send them somewhere and then I realize there's like a break in me sending them to uh-huh. the state or national contact and then them not getting like somebody on the ground actually going into workplaces and organizing and I had explained to a, a labor um, council president recently like I think you're going to places that don't have that person, like they don't have an organizer and we have to figure out because there's not all this renewed interest in organizing work sites. Like these unions now need to invest in actual organizers to get the work done, to bridge the path between the people that want to be organized and actually becoming part of a union. And I don't know how many have realized, I like, I was just recently talking to, um, a union rep who I was like, have you hired um, your organizer yet? Cause they 
let the organizer go uh, like a year and a few months ago and they still hadn't hired, which I get because during COVID, yeah. like most unions were just all about like, how do we protect our workers um, during COVID, especially when so many of them don't even want to wear masks themselves or hate mandates. Like how do we protect our workers in the way that they want to be protected during COVID? Uh, and a lot of places have obviously gone back to work, um, whether or not they should have. Yeah. Uh, and they just don't have the organizers. And he's like, yes, but this time we're, or no, we haven't hired one. Yes, we think it's important, but this time they want to hire somebody with um, community organizing experience, as opposed to taking somebody out of the factory and putting them in an organizing role. And he's like, it's easier to um, train and organizers to know what we do on the job than to train somebody on the job to do what we do as an organizer. And I'm like, ah, it's not easy. Like it's not just anybody that can be an organizer. You know, but, I had that same conversation before oh. I got hired by the teachers union. They were like, you don't have uh, you don't have a, a master's basically or a PhD. Oh. You don't have a lot of experience in education. What would you what would you say about that? And I'm like, well, I'm not hired to teach teachers. I'm hired to right? teach how to organize, which is what I know how to do. Uh-huh. Every, every group of workers wants to think that they're incredibly different, but it's all the same. It's all power dynamics and bringing people together to influence your decision makers. Bam, that's it. And having the skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, is, yeah. is I think we're at least some of the... Um, I don't want to use any specific examples and get called out later. Some of them are <laughs> struggling with, and I'm like, cause you can't take Joe Schmo off of the factory line and put Joe Schmo in an organizing job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to hear some of them are like, Oh yeah. Like that is a special skill set. Um, and they st- shouldn't need to stop being snooty about how you can only work in this job. If you've been working in this job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how are you good at new people? You don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take your ego out of the equation when you're doing this. Exactly. If you can, I know sometimes it's hard where I'm like, fuck you. You know what I'm, what I know and where I've been. <sighs> turn, down, turn down the dial, Sabrina. You're not going to relate to them. I love the Sabrina dial. I always want it up. <laughs> there are a few people that want it up, but they tend to be other organizers and <laughs> not necessarily the grass tops people. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. So what is your favorite part of this movie? It used to be the fight scene, but now I actually just fast forwarded through the, the fight scene. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they practice really hard. That was one of the, um, if you get the voodoo or the, um, by the video, there's extras where they talk about their fighting. Um, I think I really like the scene in the Mon Paz store because yeah it's weird and the first time I don't think I realized those actors are doing a really good job mm-hmm. <laughs> because I didn't notice when uh Crystal went into the store after they got rid of the body of this oh my gosh did you realize one of those uh characters names was vanilla nice yes <laughs> and of course he's from Orlando <laughs> <laughs> awesome name <laughs> So when they get rid of Vanilla, Nice, Staten Island, and Big Red's bodies, Athena alerts Mon Pa that Crystal is coming, or they call her Snowball at the time. Snowball is coming. So they get all like emotionally ready to look like 
you know, just regular store owners, but you can tell when she comes in and they're waiting for her to ask like absurd yeah. questions, mm-hmm. the looks on their faces, like you got anything. And she just plays it cool. Like, mm-hmm. do you have some cigarettes? And she's like, Oh, I don't have my wallet. And you can tell they're waiting to say like, why don't you have your wallet? And Pa's like, it's weird to say that Pa, Pa says, uh, do you like, do you want to fill her up or do you have a vehicle? Which is absurd because it's a really small space and he would have heard or seen her yeah. one vehicle. So he's, it's totally a loaded question. And she's like, nope, no, I don't. And they're just, they look so thirsty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so in everything in this, that store, because right before she comes in, they're cleaning up and it's like a fight of these. I'm assuming they're a married couple because they fight like a married couple. Um, and every time one's name is mentioned the other ones is mentioned like their real names not ma and pa but yeah julius and something else when he takes a drink of the soda and she's like stop that's poison (laughs) he spits it out he's like you poison this and she's like no there's what 44 grams of sugar in there and that'll kill you and it was just so the absurdity of i mean everything in that store was thought out when they walk in the polar bears on a little tiny island of ice and the news is did I mention it was on the news sorry there was not a polar bear in the store it was on the news on the television and it was talking about climate change and as soon as the three um that they end up killing go in the store they quick turn it down and get all ready um and then like their whole conversation where they're cleaning up the bodies like they just killed people three people that they're totally judging and think they deserve to be killed and they're talking about, don't worry about like one of the guys had a ring on and, and Ma was worried. And Pa was like, what do you, he probably uses the N word. Yeah. On Twitter, <laughs> not in, in not just in private. Yeah. <laughs> that whole exchange. And then when uh, Pa says them and in the conversation, he's using like the use of them made sense. But then Ma pulls it out. Like, who's them? Yeah. And he's like the blacks. And she's like, it's African-American. Like you can say black now. And it was just like the scenes where the, I'm going to say liberal elite because that's what they say. And I really have a hard time identifying them as progressives or even Democrats. Like they're so extreme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime they get together, they're like trying to outwoke each other. Oh, I know. The kimono scene. That was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or even when they're in the bunker, like just trying to catch each other up on like who's who knows who pretends to know more oh yeah I do love that this movie kind of I don't know if you saw like on Twitter during like when uh Texas's power grid was failing Um, I don't tweet oh well there were were a lot of terrible liberals saying like this is what you get this is what you know yeah, they were like, you deserve this because you voted for these people. But like, oh. you I know you can live in a very gerrymandered place uh-huh. and like not have your values reflected by your representatives whatsoever. So like, I feel like this movie really captured that movement as well. Oh also, my. I have a lot of friends in Texas and Arkansas and, you know, like Southern states. And no, they absolutely would not vote for those people that uphold those policies. So like, I think this movie really captured the idea of like that the the liberal community also stereotypes and looks down on others as well. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, that was wild to see that happening on Twitter. Like, well, also tw- Twitter is a garbage can of the world. So I don't know. 
that's why I'm not on it. I hear everybody say that. And I'm like, I don't, in my organizing world, I don't think I need it. Yeah. Uh, Mental health. My heart doesn't. No. Yeah. What's your favorite part? Okay. I absolutely loved when the ambassador picks Don and um, Crystal up and they're ta- the, the ambassador is kind of like, you know, he's in on it. Cause he's like, well, what did you do? Right. Deserve this. But then he says, and he looks directly at Crystal. I would never blame the victim. And it was just so like, I'm a good ally. <laughs> like, sure. And also you're identifying Crystal as the victim. Fuck you. Exactly. Right. And that's when she like subtly starts <laughs> And like uses all her weight to kick him out of the car. And I was like, I love this. Um, that and then obviously, like when she gets on the plane and like is talking to the staff of the plane and is like, let's have some champagne, let's have some caviar, like all these things that they had been serving and working towards, and like not realizing they're complicit in this weird fucking system. Um, but Crystal broke the gate open on that and made class equality <laughs> you know I actually wrote in the end part that I didn't so she offers the stewardess caviar but she doesn't offer her that 250k oh. bottle of wine she drinks it straight from the bottle I mean he was like so obviously you're not sharing oh and really then, yeah <laughs> and then the stewardess was like how is it and she said it's fucking great and I was like oh so you're not sharing the champagne you're too good now to share the champagne oh interesting well maybe there's another bottle that they're gonna all share there's only three that were pulled up from that ship oh shit okay well maybe crystal's an alcoholic (laughs) well i was like i did like how it kind of starts on the plane i mean they have the whole conversation about um the twitter Mm -hmm. uh sound old the twitter stuff um (laughs) and then they go right to the plane and that stewardess is treated like absolute shit in the oh, beginning yeah. by, mm-hmm. I think his name is Richard. He's such a dick to her. And that's when he tells the whole story of that really old champagne bottle that Athena grabbed three of. Oh. And that's another thing I noticed in this movie is like rich people going on and on with their stories, like mm-hmm. experience that in real life. And I just glaze over like, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love that scene so much when um, Crystal tells Athena, I, I didn't want to interrupt your big girl cheese speech. Yes! <laughs> Her face was very placid throughout most of that speech too. Like you couldn't tell that she was saying all these things that did not, like she had the wrong crystal and she was talking shit about another crystal and she just looked like, mm-hmm, listening, listening face. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you notice, I didn't notice this at first, but that the in the plane scene, there are blue and red lights in the plane, in the cabin. Like they use the use of um, blue and red throughout the movie as oh. colors. So there's um, running lights on the floor of the cabin of the plane that are red and then running lights on the top of the plane that are um, blue. And then when they pulled the gun out of the big crate, it's all red. And apparently the director really wanted to use both the red and blue colors to represent the Dems and Republicans. But then he also says like, it, it's, what did he, the movie is about uh, misconceptions of when we first see people and what we believe when we see them. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, you intentionally use blue and red all over, but um, yeah, I was really paying attention to the colors this very last time I watched it. 
And Athena, when she goes to kill Squealer with the heel to the head, well, to his eyeball, mm-hmm. like it's a black shoe with blue underneath it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Good use of colors. <laughs> uh, I, uh, what other question did I have here? Um, oh, are there any heroes in the movie? Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point with not sharing the champagne because. <laughs> I wonder if that is, you know, Crystal has power now. She's going to abuse power. Right. And uh, that's how I saw it when I. Yeah, I guess like for your before having that conversation, I would mm. have thought Crystal is the hero because she's the only one that is constantly questioning things and doesn't automatically have an allegiance with talking points and is just like thoroughly investigating everything around her. But she's also, you know, out for number one. Oh, well, no. Right. The mom and the baby at the train. Like. Oh, right, right. She does. But they're crisis babies, Kristen. <laughs> Do you think there's a hero? I, I first thought that um, Crystal was the hero, but uh, I'm assuming I've watched this more times than you have. <laughs> I'm also on vacation, but I've uh, yeah watched it, I think three times since I've been on vacation after I realized we're doing this movie. Um, and then when I so I was really hypercritical of her this last viewing and she doesn't even really care whether Don was or wasn't on her side. Yeah, she just true. kills them. Um, and when Athena's like her last words, um, which was surprising to me because Athena is a pretty disgusting character who really just wants to protect her wealth. And even after she was fired, she obviously has still a bunch of wealth because she went and bought a freaking house in Croatia for this. Uh-huh. Uh, but she, Athena asked um, Crystal, did I really get the wrong Crystal? Like she actually cared. And um, God, what was Chris, Crystal's last question was not about Don, which was like she didn't ask, was Don really on her? Side or not, it was something else. Probably wrote it down in my notes, but I was like, oh, now that I'm looking at this, like she's not the hero I'd want. She's a badass, and like her yeah. instincts are great. Like an anti-hero, maybe. Yeah. I do remember thinking like the scene with Mom Pa at the gas station, like, wow, she has such finely tuned instincts, but like they could have just been a couple of weirdos and then she wasted an elderly couple, <laughs> you know, like she, you couldn't, there's no way to have been a hundred percent on knowing who those people were. And then you just murdered them. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't know the, the cost of cigarettes in Arkansas, <laughs> the cost of cigarettes in Arkansas. Like, <laughs> is there something you normally buy that you would know the price of state to state? Uh no. Well, wait. Me neither. LaCroix, I think I would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were a LaCroix drinker. Oh, yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did know, like, that knowing she killed them was confirmed when she looked in that back room and saw those bodies and she had to look like, of course. Um, but yeah, she did just act impulsively. Yeah, she already wasted them. <laughs> You're right. You can either, and if she hadn't found them, I don't know if it would have changed anything for her. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, I like her as a character. We've gotten, sorry, you got cat butt back there. Uh, We've gotten to a place where 
we have so many movies with no heroes and everybody is flawed, which I really used to dig. And now I'm like, eh, I'm kind of wishing for more movies with real heroes. I want a hero in a movie in real life. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we're all fallible, man. We're all fucked up. So heroes. I guess I am str- like looking for something that doesn't even really exist in any of us. Mm-hmm. So what are your final thoughts on the hunt? Um, I mean, for people, oh, by the way, I'm one of your listeners that I do listen to some of the movies that if I know I want to listen to it, I won't. I was like, okay, they're going to talk about this movie I want to watch. But others that I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to. And I'll listen. I'm like, no, I definitely don't want to now. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so let me speak to those people. No rape scenes. Uh-huh. It is gory, but I think it's funny go- gory, um, especially when uh, dead sexy gets like skewered and then blown up. Oh, poor woman. Shoot me, snowflake. <laughs> That's actually when I knew that, like, who was supposed to represent what side was yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a good movie to watch over and over again because, I mean, almost like any movie, your, your views change, but. I don't see it as a, I already said this though, but as a Democrat versus Republican, like it's more just class issues Mm -hmm. and how far we'll go. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was excellent satire and I've watched it like three times now and I laugh every time. Like there's so (laughs) so much humor in it. It's wonderful. That's awesome that you laugh every time. I still laugh every time too, but there are a few movies that I do that with. I love it. I think that when I laugh, Every time then they're fighting and then they say, no more glass, no more glass. <laughs> yes. And they actually pause. All right. <laughs> Agreed. And they also agree to take that second to like both breathe. Yeah. Like, just one <laughs> second. I was like, well, they still are playing by rules while they're fighting. Like, yeah, no glass. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. So Sabrina, how can people find out more about work of the AFL CIO and what you do and maybe. <laughs> how to start a union at their workplace. Uh, that's funny. So yes, Kristen mentioned I worked for uh, Wisconsin AFL-CIO, which I did not. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, there's a website. I was like, like, I know you have a lot of comedians. I, you can't follow me anywhere because everything I have is private. Um, not that you'd want to. If you're listening to this, you really just want to start a union or uh, figure out how to make you stronger. Uh, and yeah, you can look online. Um, National AFL-CIO has all sorts of good stuff. And then the state, uh, Wisconsin AFL-CIO has good stuff too. Uh, we do have a mobilized link. So if anyone is interested in volunteering, do you, we do get volunteers that aren't union members. Um, but there's a AFL-CIO. And then when you get on that page, just um, search for mobilize. If you sign up, you'll hear from me or my colleague. You only hear from one of the two of us that are left um, as coordinators in the state. And I think you. that's it. Oh, I said, we need you. Get in these streets. Yes, we do. Everybody needs you. Now is the time, too. Like, now is the mm-hmm. great time to organize. Well, well, thank you so much for doing the podcast and talking about this fun movie with me. Uh, that's been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Why are you creeping?